Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to An Amber A Day. Just a quick warning before the episode begins. This episode was recorded in person and we had some microphone issues that weren't discovered until after the conversation was completely recorded. I still felt like it was a really valuable conversation and something that I wanted to share with you all. So I did my best to fix the audio as much as I could and I'm uploading it as is. I hope you will still find value in this conversation and you'll still give it a listen because I think it's definitely worth it. And if you haven't ever left the podcast a review, but you feel like you've gotten value out of it and you look forward to listening to it, if you could take the time to leave us an Apple podcast or iTunes review, it would mean so much to me. I'm really trying to drum up more reviews these days just to get the podcast out to more listeners. So your review is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Functional Nutrition Podcast, and I'm your host, Amber Fisher. And today, I'm very excited because I'm talking with Jen Mason, who is also a practitioner. Jen is a mind-body practitioner, and she she owns Saba Wellness. I'm very excited to talk to you because we have a lot of things that we can talk about. And I think one of the big things that I want to start off with is just introducing your personal story to everybody because you have kind of a, you have a very interesting, let's say, uh, health history story. So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. So my story started back in 2011. I was 26 years old at the time, and I'd just been, I was just married for about a year. Was working a lot and was working for an acupuncturist, herbalist at the time, and I was also in grad school. And I remember that I just was so tired and feeling just depleted. And I wasn't sure if it was just the amount of stress of, you know, being a newlywed and being in school. And, um, and I kept having infections, like I kept having like UTIs and just kept getting sick. And I kept going, you know, over and over. Once a month, I would be going to the doctor for antibiotics um, or some sort of treatment. And no, they never found anything. Like I saw urologists and they just kept saying, nothing's wrong with you. You might have um, interstitial cystitis or, you know, like we can do this and we can do that. And I was just like, I don't feel like this is just what you're saying. I feel like there's more to this, but I couldn't piece it all together. And so finally, I found a um, integrative doctor in Boston where I was living at the time. And he was like, hey, your thyroid is basically 
chugging along. Like, I'm not sure how you're alive right now. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, well, the way that he put it was so blunt. And like, you're walking, but I'm not sure how you're walking. <laughs> right? So, after that diagnosis, I had been talking to my husband about getting pregnant. And I had never really thought about children until that time when my doctor said, you know, your capacity to get pregnant right now and to sustain a life is really low. And I would not recommend you getting pregnant at all because I don't think that you would have a viable fetus. That crushed me to the point where I was just like, I became depressed. I ended up quitting my job. I ended up, you know, I remember my husband, he was, he was an architect at the time. Well, he's still an architect, but he was working and going to school at the time. And he would come home at like midnight and he would just find me crying in our living room because I was just like, I, my body isn't, is basically fighting against me. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, the only resources I had at the time were to this doctor who I didn't really care for. And then also, some acupuncturists and so i started to see because i worked at the acupuncture clinic i started to see the herbalist i started to see the acupuncturist i would go to these sessions all the time and while they did help it wasn't enough um so anyway years went on and went by and we moved and i kind of just always sat with that emotion or that feeling of like i know my body should be able to do this, but why isn't it doing it? What it's supposed to do? And I've always had irregular periods. Um, that was just a normal thing for me. Um, but I didn't think when I was 12 years old, like what the repercussions of my period would be, you know, later in life when I wanted to have a kid or when I wanted to get pregnant or even have the, even if I didn't want to have, I wanted to have the option to get pregnant. Right. Um, and so anyway, fast forward. Um, I found we moved, we were in California. Um, this was now 2013, 2014. I just started my going back to school for integrative medicine. Um, I was doing, you know, some healing on my own, some emotional healing. I connected to a fertility mentor, started working with her. And, um, I saw a doctor, a gynecologist, and she did some testing and she said, um, Jen, you have some precancer cells in your uterus and you, uh, we need to address this. Otherwise this could lead to uterine cancer and then you won't be able to have kids. And so I was like, holy crap, what do I do? Right. And so, um, her treatment was much more simple than I anticipated that it, it needed to be, we, you know, started with progesterone and, um, yeah, it, I bled for like a solid two months and it was just clot after clot after mm -hmm. clot, just bleeding. Um, awful. But um, finally, we got to a point where I said, okay, well, let's try Clomid first. And I, at that point, I was like so just done with doctors that I said, let's just try this. If it doesn't work, then I don't want to go through IVF. I just want to be done with this whole thing. Um, so my husband and I, we agreed and we tried Clomid and we typically, you, you know, for some folks, Clomid, you have to go round and round and round. Like it's doesn't usually, you know, happen yeah. so fast for folks. And so we, I don't know, we got pregnant the first time and I was 
shocked. <laughs> I was like, wait, I bet what? You were. And it, yeah, for the first, and, and at the time I'd also been, like I told you, I'd been working with a um, fertility, like an energetic fertility mentor at the time. I had been working with her um, as a, just, um, she was my mentor. And one of the things that I felt like I needed to do with, excuse me, was to kind of clear some of like those negative thoughts and those feelings of like, my body's not working, my body, you know, because I think that when you've been dealing with that kind of loss, that kind of fertility, like you've been told over and over again, like you're not going to get pregnant. You're not going to get pregnant. You start to believe that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it kind of see, it seeps into you. And so I was working with this fertility doctor and a fertility, sorry, fertility, energetic fertility coach. And we started practicing some energetic stuff. And I, at that point I was open to anything. I was like, I just want, I don't care what it is. Like, I'm just going to try it. And I did. And it was so powerful. I remember sitting um, in my living room and she was guiding me through a meditation for um, connecting to the baby spirit. And I was like, okay, I don't know if there's a baby spirit. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how. Yes, I know. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I mean, I'm open to it. And feel a little silly um but that connection you know that type of like reconnecting back to my body even though I was going to school for that you know and then putting it into practice Mm -hmm. it it took me a minute to just recognize the value of that um and see how those that stagnant like physical you know, that bleeding, that was stagnation, right? And then, like, what was happening in my mind as well, you know, in my thoughts, those thoughts were stagnant as well. And so I wanted to, you know, create some fluidity. Um, so we, yeah, I, I worked with her for a while, and I read her book, and it was amazing. And and then um, that's right when I started taking COVID, and then I got pregnant. So I felt like it was a combination of different things. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean this. My story obviously is very different than other folks. Is I don't. I don't think that that's always the right choice for everyone, and obviously doesn't always work. By um, you know, doing using my formula, like what worked for me, but that's what worked for me. Um, I feel like I really needed the to have the combination of the mind body um, in order for me to reach a place of like acceptance. Um, that it may or may not happen. And once I reached that place of acceptance, I was able to be more open. It's so weird. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's it's very interesting because your story and my story are so similar, <laughs> like so similar. Yeah. And I very much went through that same mental and energetic process before I was able to get pregnant with my son. And I had to go through IVF for him. I did try Clomid, but it didn't work for me. Um, but I also recognize fully, especially after I became pregnant with him, how much my thoughts and my feelings about myself mm-hmm. and my body were playing a role mm-hmm. in the way that my hormones were responding. And while I do think it, you know, and I want, I just want to say this before we talk about this too much, because I know like when I was going through this, when people would say things like, 
you know, your, your thoughts and your energy or whatever, like it plays a role in your fertility. It it always felt very dismissive to me because I was in the negative place, you know? And so, and I don't want to make it seem like, Oh, all you have to do is meditate and then you'll get pregnant or yeah, no, no, this is, that's not the process that I went through. It was a very like hard process. It took a lot of work and it was very, um, it, it involved a lot of like really deep changes emotionally and physically too. Like I had to make a lot of physical changes, but I did want to say that the, the transfer, the IVF transfer that worked for with my son was one where I was actively like almost like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like I was doing acupuncture, I was doing visualizations and you got me thinking because one of the things I did right after my transfer um, not connected to the baby spirit, but what I did was I did art, um, like visualization art of embryos implanting mm-hmm. into wounds, you mm-hmm. know, and like, I like drew light around it and I, I was doing all these meditations and totally honestly, I thought it was kind of a load. Like while I was doing it, I'm like, does this, <laughs> is this even doing anything right. like, you know, but I really do think it worked because it was almost like sending this signal to my body that like, I'm really ready for this. Like, I really want this and I'm going to do everything that I can, um, to get it. But yeah. And I mean, like what you were just saying, I think is so powerful because especially if you've been in it for such a long time where you have been told over and over again, or you you look at your test results and everything is like, your body's not functioning. You know, like you read the numbers, you, you go to your doctor and we see all of these things and we're told all of these things. And so we're believing it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's true. Science is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what, I mean, if we believe those things as the end all be all, right? Why don't we believe the things that could be possible if we shifted our mindset? And granted, like you said, you know, everything, everyone is unique and, you know, different experiences and what, what have you. But I really do agree with you that mindset does impact the way that we, the way that we perceive what we're capable of doing. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, over the years, I have really gone from this sort of mindset of like science only, um, only Western medicine, like very conventional to now this sort of understanding that there's really a lot we don't know and that the brain is really powerful. Our thoughts are really powerful. Um, there's a really interesting documentary kind of on that line called heal. I don't know if you've Mm. seen that. But for anyone listening, it's a really interesting documentary. Um, It's just about kind of the profound mystery of the human body and its connection to its own spirit. 
we don't really understand how that works in a scientific way yet. We do have some evidence that it is there though. So it's not like this is like completely out of left field, like, you know, no one in Western medicine believes it. It's just, we, we don't have the tools to kind of properly explain it yet, but it, it does make a difference. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with the caveat of like childbearing is not, you know, necessarily the right path or in the cards for everybody. And I I understand that even if you do everything right, but for a lot of us, that's the thing that holds us back. Mm -hmm. I think is, is almost like a resistance Mm -hmm. to fertility because, and I think what it is, is when you're told for so long, that you're infertile and yeah, like you said, you see all these lab results, you see nothing going right. It's kind of like in order to open yourself up to the idea that it might still be possible or that to still have hope Mm -hmm. that can be very painful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because what if it doesn't, what if you get your hopes up and it doesn't work out? So I think it's a self-protection thing to be like, you know, absolutely. And you know, I think that at one point when I was, it wasn't that I had just resigned myself to it. I don't think that that was the case, but I got to a point where I said, okay, I want this to work, but if it doesn't, mm-hmm. then what happens next? And so I had to prepare myself for the event that it didn't work mm-hmm. and the acceptance of, okay, if this doesn't work, am I going to be okay? without having kids and like what is that going to do to my family what is that going to do to my husband like and i knew that my husband really wanted to have kids from the very beginning when we first started dating he was very clear he's like i really want to have kids and um and i i kept thinking you know like well what what's going to happen if i can't like are you not going to love me anymore are you going to want to divorce me because i'm not able to provide this for you or you know and then also the conversations that you have with family like Mm -hmm. i i mean i know that this is um i mean it varies from family to family but especially coming from a latino family like children is talked about like you get married and it's like when you gonna have kids you know and i'm sure that happens to all you know not just latino families but other families as well um and it was always a topic of, of conversation you know and so i remember i just had to i had to change the conversation when I was talking to my, my spouse to my family in order not just to protect myself but to also um tell them like hey this is this is what I'm doing and I know that you want you know us to have kids but I need to be patient and I, because I'm trying to be patient with my body and it's you know so I had to I had to maneuver some relationships in a very unique way and but I think part of it is protection but then also the other part of it is like this is the reality mm-hmm. you know and th- I think that's one of the hardest parts about going through infertility is how you know you you're living through it and so you kind of come to your you go through your stages of grief mm-hmm. I think faster than like your relatives do and especially if your relatives are very vocal or mm-hmm. don't have great boundaries um, you know just the emotional weight of having to deal with their reactions to the situation mm-hmm. is just even more stress on you, you know, because it's hard both ways is I, I like one side of my family was very nosy. And then the other side was very like, they never ever brought it up, like totally would not even talk about it. So it's, it's hard to be in the middle of those two things, because then on the other hand, you know, sometimes you do want 
people to almost know so that they can have a little sympathy for you or, you know, kind of know that you're going through something Mm -hmm. and support you. Um, But when you're going through infertility, you just like, you have to walk this real tightrope. And that just adds to your stress. But I think there was something that you said that I really wanted to touch on because I think it was really profound, which is that when you get to your place of acceptance, it's not the same thing as resignation. And, you know, it took my husband and I uh, all together, it was like around seven years before we were able to have, uh, to get pregnant with our son. And throughout that time frame, like I vacillated between like, do we even want kids or do I not want kids? You know, like just kind of all the back and forth stuff and sort of came to the end realizing that I did want them. But then I had to go through that grief of like, I do really want this, but I don't know that it's gonna work out for me. Uh, kind of thing and it's funny though because like once I finally sort of got comfortable with the idea that I might not have kids and I could still be happy I could still have a totally fulfilling beautiful life um, once I finally made that decision for myself that's when things started to start working Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that I talk to have a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that all the time when you're going through IVF. Everyone's like, oh, she stopped trying and it happened for her. And, you know, obviously that's dismissive, but there's a grain of truth in it too, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a frustrating thing about things like that. <laughs> so you're yeah. like, you don't want it to be true, but yeah. there is a grain of truth in that, that when you let go of the outcome, um, sometimes you get the miracle that you were hoping for. So sometimes. not always, mm-hmm. but sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I guess my stance on fertility was always, I'm just going to do everything that I can, like, you know, um, everything that's within my budget and my mental capacity, like I'm going to do it. So I did a lot of like, <laughs> I always laugh because I did a lot of guided meditations and I thought they were so corny and like, I hated doing them the whole time. You know, it wasn't like I was like all bought in like, Oh yes, I'm this like, mind body person (laughs) and I like you said too I was in school for that like I was doing an integrative nutrition program like we learned about those kinds of things and I felt that they had powerful application for the people that I was going to work with but for myself I was like "Uh, come on you know so I don't think you even have to fully like believe in that stuff or connect with it in that way for it to still do something for you you know, so after you had, so you have two kids, right? And then you've continued to have uh, certain like health situations that you've had to work on with your thyroid and everything like that. Where, where have you gotten to in that realm? Like, do you feel like you're at a good place with that? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, helped me was to shift my mentality around getting pregnant and then also um my thyroid and shifting it to i'm doing this for my health instead of i'm doing this to get pregnant or i'm doing this because you know there's an expectation of me because i have ovaries and a vagina that i have to have a baby and instead you know flipping that script to I have to get healthy first. Mm-hmm. And what does that what does that look like for me? And I when I 
when you and I started working together, that was my mentality, you know, because with thyroid issues, especially hypothyroid issues, as you know, it's really hard to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I have, I had to approach for myself. I had to approach this as what do I need to do to heal my thyroid in order to set the stage for X, Y, Z. Right. Yes. That that's so powerful too, because I think, you know, as females, we do have these kinds of like expectations placed on us by society that we're going to, you know, mm -hmm. follow through with having kids. We're going to do this and that. And I think oftentimes many of us place a lot of um, pressure on ourselves to do things for our bodies in order to serve other people. Mm -hmm. So to do things for our health so that we can get pregnant or to lose weight so that, you know, people will look at us differently or society, you know, or our husbands will be happy with it or whatever kind of like silliness, you know, but it's all about other people and right. their views on you and their expectations of you. And even people who haven't even been born yet. Um, and there's such powerful healing that, that, really happens for us when we do it for ourselves, mm -hmm. like truly for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to have a reason to want to be healthy. Like you deserve that. You're worthy right. of that just because you exist, right. you know? And you shouldn't have to explain that to anyone. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't know why we feel that we do and why people expect us to have like a reason. I mean, oftentimes when, when I'm working with a new client, you know, they kind of like, they want to tell me like, well, this is the reason why I want to do this, you know, um, for my family or whatever. And I kind of try to like gently sort of move them in the direction of like, if you're trying to do this for even for your family, which is a noble goal, um, it's really not, that's really not the right mindset to have because you're still doing it for somebody else. And in the end, like, it, that's not a powerful enough motivator for most people to like right. stick with things. Like you have to really want it for you right. and to believe that you deserve it. Right. Um, and that's just as important as like wanting it for yourself, because I see plenty of people who really want to be healthier. They want to feel better, but they don't truly believe that they're worthy of that mm -hmm. or deserve it. And they just can't get past those mental blocks. And that happens all the time. Oh yeah. Makes me terribly sad. It's but... such an energetic thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's, the, obviously, the, I think the physical, like the, you know, believing that, you know, I have to do this because of this person and this person and this person. But like you said, those energetic blocks, those are real. Oh, yeah. You know, and so like if you're believing that, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't deserve it. Well, what is it that's blocking that flow? There's so, so much of that in, in my work as a nutritionist because I do think that a lot of people seek me out sometimes as a distraction from what they really need to do mm -hmm. uh, because nutrition is very, it's a very kind of accessible sort of mind body intervention, right? It's mm -hmm. like on the fringe between conventional medicine and like alternative holistic mm -hmm. health. So it's like people are dipping their toe in the water um, and the thought process is, well, you know, I'll do all these like concrete practical things like eat more vegetables and I, you know, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do all these things. And, um, and then I'll be healthier and then I'll be this different person. 
And then all my problems will kind of like go away. And I think people subconsciously know that all the like inner stuff, the turmoil that's there now, all the trauma that's there now will still be there when we weigh 50 pounds less or whatever. And they almost block themselves from getting there because what's really scary is not like staying stagnant in the same place. What's really scary is getting to that new place Mm -hmm. where you're physically different, but internally you're the same. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's like, you know, all of a sudden you're these fantasies and hopes that you have about what your life could look like now they're reality. And it's not what you, it's not the perfection that you envision it being. If I'm making sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. And so everything, your environment's are the same, the people you're around is the same, nothing has really changed except your physical appearance, and that is, that's not enough. It's not enough. And don't get me wrong, like, working on nu- nutrition, even just working on weight loss, is a powerful, like, mm-hmm. experience. Like, it's... Um, this, you very much have to reconnect with yourself, reconnect with your thoughts and your emotions. And, um, and if people go through the process fully, they do come out the other end very different and changed, Mm -hmm. but it's like a lot of times they get these, a lot of false starts with this stuff because, um, they're scared of what it's going to look like later uh, when they actually achieve it. So, you know, and that's hard on me as a practitioner because, of course, I want to see everyone that works with me succeed. Um, and I don't want it to be um, something where oh, I got distracted by this person walking around. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me. I have to put a long silent bit or I'll forget that. Um, that I need to cut that out. Okay, what was I saying? Oh yeah, it's it's really hard as a practitioner because you become the you become like the the stand-in for their own feelings about themselves, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if people haven't really done that inner work or they're not actively doing it, then you know, one of two things happens. Either they just like give up and they're gone and you never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what happened to you? Or, uh, then they start to like almost treat you like, like a mother figure or like, you know, kind of blame you for their, you know, and that's not to say that I don't ever make mistakes or that, you know, I'm not on the right path because sometimes, you know, that happens. And and as practitioners, we have to be aware when we are the ones in the wrong, but there is certainly a lot of that like deflection going on. So I guess what I want to ask you is, what do you think, like, how do you think that this kind of stuff, like mind-body interventions, really makes a difference in hormones and in mental health and in all these things? Because I think it's so profoundly important, but it's, like, hard to really get that across to people in a way that they viscerally believe it. Yeah. So convince us. To put it simply, in the, the most, the easiest way that I think to explain this to someone um, who's trying to understand how the mind and the body work is that everything is connected, right? And so um, 
your gut is connected to your brain. Your hormones are connected to your brain. Basically, the, the center of everything is your brain, right? It's what makes your heart pump. It's what helps your system calm down. It's what puts you into fight or flight. It's what gets you into, you know, a relaxation mode. But if we are not connected to, you know, understanding what is happening with our emotions, what is happening with our thoughts, we're not going to recognize it in our body. Right. And so that's one of the, the, the things that I tend to teach the clients that I work with is what are you doing in your physical body and how can we, how are we connecting or how can we connect it to the thoughts that you have? And so the mindfulness piece, the slowing down, the paying attention, because I tell folks, you know, your body is going to respond to something. You're going to have a, a, a a physical reaction to something that is happening in your brain and you're going to notice that physical thing but you might not know what's triggering it right mm -hmm. and so if you're able to slow down enough to recognize okay my heart rate is up right now because what's happening around me am i did i just have coffee am i sitting in traffic um, am I thinking about, you know, the rest of my day, you know, what is the physical reaction? Because you might not even be aware of, you know, those external internal processes and things that are happening around you that are then impacting your heart rate, impacting your blood pressure, impa impacting, you know, um, your diabetes, you know, if you have diabetes, because all of these things, there's physical, there's a physical manifestation of our thoughts and of you know, what is happening in our brains mm -hmm. and, yeah. and our emotions, you know, when we don't deal with them, oh yeah, they, they get stuffed different places oh, in the body, absolutely. you know, like, Somatics. yes, exactly. <laughs> but what I think is so cool about that too, is like, there's so many different ways to impact your physical health and like your mental health. Like you don't, it doesn't just have to be. I mean, okay, I will say this. It's oftentimes, it seems to me that the thing that the person is the most resistant to doing, like meditation, for example, like they're like, I can't sit still. I don't, you know, I can't do meditation because I can't sit mm -hmm. still. Those are the people who need that kind oh, of thing the most. Gosh, um, and the whole point is like, yeah, that's the problem. Like you need to train yourself, right? Um, but same thing goes for uh, like, for example, people like me. I am fine to meditate. I love meditating. I'll just sit there and think for a long time. But what I hate doing is physical movement. And for me, a lot of times, the best way to get emotion out is to do something physical like yoga mm -hmm. or breathing, breath work, things mm -hmm. like that, that are hard for me to do. Um, because so much of my like, trauma and my tension and all these things just like lives in these different, like my hips and different areas of the body, you know? And when there is a fertility issue, you know, that gets into like the sacral chakra and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, not to get too woo wooey on you guys, but I really do think that there's a big connection between, um, you know, like chakra level issues and hormone balance, yeah. um, that we, I think we will eventually figure out. 
Um, a lot of us already know that it's there, but we haven't all fully recognized it yet. But yeah, I just think there's so, it's so cool that there's so many different ways. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that, well, two things. One, just um, to kind of piggyback on what you were just saying about how the body holds tension. Um, one super powerful thing that happened to me after I had kids was that the tension that I was holding in my pelvic floor. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, changed dramatically uh -huh. and I don't and I want to believe that it was the actual process of like I don't want to say purging because that's not the actual but giving birth yes <laughs> and like releasing this life that needed to come out and that was in there that actually relaxed my muscles yes because of the pushing and because of like you know obviously I think there's different some I'm sure a physical therapist, a pelvic physical therapist, might be like, oh, that's not yours. But I feel like it does. It did work. <laughs> no, I fully, I fully like agree with that because I had this. I had very similar experience when I had my my son. I was like, wow, my hips are like different. I mean, your hips do expand, right, when you have like a vaginal birth, but like the tension that I was holding in different yes. places was gone yes. or had changed. Like I used to, my hips used to catch all the time and they don't anymore. So it's just really, really interesting. And I, I definitely connect a lot of the changes that have happened to me to becoming a mother, which, you know, whether you become a mother or not in this life, like you can make profound changes. But for me, that was really huge for me. Like mm -hmm. everything about me changed oh, that absolutely. day. <laughs> you know, I'm totally different. Yeah. No, and, and now I don't, I mean, thank God that I don't have those infections like I used to. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it was physical, but I also believe that some of it was just the stagnant energy that just hasn't had it been moving. And I was holding on to lots of tension mm -hmm. because I was stressed and because I was, ex you know, exhausted. And so then my pelvic floor, mm -hmm. you know, was super tight and wasn't aligned with what needed to be aligned. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, with regards to what you were saying about movement um yes we hold so much time, especially with like yoga mm -hmm. i'm also a yoga teacher and i haven't unfortunately because of the pandemic i haven't taught but when i was teaching i was teaching restorative yoga and yin yoga and that was one of my favorite or both of my favorites to teach because i had to help people slow down mm -hmm. and because there would be times when i would you know adjust and go in there and say, okay, now let's, let's like really breathe into this space that you have here in your hip or, you know, in your back and giving yourself an opportunity to rest, giving yourself that opportunity to breathe and be intentional with your movement is so profound and so needed because especially, I mean, all the time, but especially even now and this throughout the pandemic, you know, people are, working with their kids at home and or, you know, family members or they're getting sick or, you know, people have passed away. You know, there's just so many different things happening that I think we tend to brush it off as I'm distressed because of this, you know, and like really like what, where are you holding your stress? You know, where's that chronic pain coming from? Why, why do you think it started, you know, in 2020? Like, let's talk about that, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I think too, it's it seems to be easier sometimes for some of us to do more of this like uh, 
spiritual kind of think like be very up in like the top of our head type thing mm -hmm. um, but harder to ground into our physical bodies I see that a lot with people with hormone issues mm. um, they struggle with that like firm foundation you know that like root chakra stuff like they really they don't do well at um, yeah connecting with their bodies and like because I don't think that they feel good about their bodies like they don't trust their body right, right? Well, exactly I mean I think that that's the case like I mean when you and we could talk about that we could talk go more into this but later but you know especially if there's trauma mm -hmm. in the body especially in like the pelvic floor or you know there's been you know sexual abuse mm -hmm. or harassment or whatever you know or you're constantly going to doctor's appointments and you're mm -hmm. constantly having a doctor stare at your vagina mm -hmm. and, and having you know, biopsies exactly and like, like how much stress are you holding there and exactly. like what are you processing through that because right. that our body doesn't know the difference between what is safe and what is trauma it will just see it and experience or have an experience but whether you feel like it's safe or not it's going to trigger some kind of reaction and so if you don't know that it's a safe thing for you to be in that situation or you are in a very exposed position like your body is going to react, your, your body's going to remember that. Your brain is going to cement a memory. And of course you're going to have pelvic floor stuff because, oh, yeah. you know, you're in a very vulnerable position. I absolutely think that many of my trauma issues come from the period of time when I was, you know, in like pre-cancer mode to having cancer and all of the DNCs, even oh, though I was gosh. under anesthesia. My body knew what was happening. Oh, yeah. The biopsies, the you know, the different procedures, the hysteroscopies, like all the stuff just going up the cervix, you know, like mm -hmm. pain. Everything's being done to yes, you. Yes, doing done to you. You have no say in it. You're like, you know, they put they make you get all undressed and on this in this like cold paper robe. Like, you know, it's just a very like it's an awful experience. And um, but the hard part about things like that, about medical trauma, is that you you almost feel like silly for feeling that way because you're like, well, I have to do it. Like, and they're not trying to hurt me. You know, it's just right. like, I'm just being silly, right? But you're not, though, because your body doesn't know the difference. Right. So you have to work through that stuff. And I think that's something that I've really um, had to learn and still working on, to be fair. Like, I definitely, you know, I don't know. The other day, somebody wrote a really mean comment to me <laughs> on the internet, which happens sometimes. And, um, you know, my first reaction in the past would have been to like intellectualize it or, um, just kind of ruminate and, or find somebody else to like word vomit on. Right. Instead, what I decided to do was do some like breathing exercises and some stretching and yoga, like in my hips. Mm -hmm. And it helped so much because like so much of it was like this this fear of like i don't know it was fear-based it was like a safety thing yeah. like i didn't feel safe anymore so um well, that you knew what you needed like what your body needed it's, i think that's one of the first things like you know in order to move past some of these experiences like do you know what you need yeah exactly and i i can say from personal experience that the majority of my life i 
did not know right. what I needed. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> you know? I think none of us right. Grow up yeah, no, like no one teaches you that. Like, so that's why I think it's so powerful to have like a coach to help you through those things. Yeah. Which is what you do. So, you know, if anybody wants to work with Jen, you know, I'm sure she's accepting clients. Um, we're getting short on time. So what I want to talk about in the last few minutes that we have together is um, some of the things that you have on offer right now that could help people. Because I think a lot of times, like I've covered similar versions of this topic before, but the question that I always get is like, okay, yeah, like I recognize like that there's truth in what you're saying, but what do I actually do? Like people struggle to get started with this kind of thing because they feel that they don't know what to do, or sometimes they feel a little silly doing it. So um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I would say if you, one of, two of my biggest tips for people is if you're trying to figure out what where to start, the first thing to do that I would recommend is to quiet yourself. And what I mean by that is turn off your phone get away from your computer, get away from the TV, go for a walk, do something where you can connect to your thoughts and then recognize what is happening in your body. And so just beginning to have that connection and establishing that, okay, I'm getting to know myself in a different way and having that quiet time. I think that quiet time can be so uncomfortable for people because we like to fill our space and our energy with you know, conversations and text messages and Instagram and Facebook, you know, all these different things. And so that's, I think, one of the hardest things to do. Now, um, if you get to that point and you are able to do that and practice some of that quiet time and start to connect, I think uh, the next thing would be to try to understand, try to discover or uncover what um, strategies feel right for you. So some people are much more tactile. They prefer um, using water. And so like if you like to take baths um, to help you relax, use that. I don't like baths, but I do like water. And so I actually will spend a lot of time when I wash my hair, like that meditative piece of just like massaging my scalp and breathing through that and even washing dishes. That's like, my husband's like, oh, I, it's my turn to wash dishes. And I'm like, you know, I can, I want to step in because it, it actually relaxes me. Um, I know that's not the case for some people. People prefer the dishwasher. <laughs> that's fine. But if that's not the case for you, you know, do the dishes. Um, other folks, you know, sometimes it's just being and connecting with other people and having some, some just one-on-one -on -one connection. Um, it just really depends on what works for you. But I think that the exploration piece is really important and giving yourself that opportunity. And the, the other thing is don't, don't think that you have to spend money to find that for yourself. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why on my Instagram page, I, I share some of these techniques is because they're free. You don't have to you know, pay Headspace, even though Headspace is a really great app, um, but you don't have to pay these folks to, you know, do these things. They're free, they're available. You can Google it, you can find it on YouTube, you can, you know, what have you. Um, so anyway, those would be my, my, th my guess, my three things. Okay, I love that. And yeah, the, and 
there's so much to get into in the whole like <laughs> you don't you don't have to pay for a lot of things mm -hmm. thing too and i think we have done a disservice to people in a lot of ways by monetizing a lot of these industries on the other hand you know of course as somebody who does monetize well I mean, they we like you know well we do have to survive too <laughs> and there's something to be offered like if it is in budget for you and it is something that energetically like that you and your family can manage working with somebody who's trained like a mind body you know therapy practitioner like yourself can also add an extra layer to that that mm -hmm. can be really you know effective what does it look like to work with you like what so my um my background is in mind body medicine so i have a i have a master's in women's health and a master's in integrated medicine and health sciences and so one of the the ways that i work with people specifically women i have worked with them in the past but specifically with women um when someone comes to me they will either do one-on-one -on -one coaching mm -hmm. um we will either do hypnotherapy or um we also do private yoga. So there are different te different techniques that we would then, we could do together. Mm -hmm. I specifically work with people around anxiety um, and helping folks recognize that mind-body connection. And so a lot of the times people will come to me and say, I need coaching because I am trying to either move into this new job or um, I've got to finish my dissertation and I'm feeling stuck. And instead of coaching from a perspective of like, let's just, let's just focus on this issue. My approach is, okay, let's talk about what you're coming for, but let's see the full picture. Right, and so there's a time during our session, our first session, where we kind of talk a little bit more about like what's going on in your environment, what's going on in your family, what's going on with your health, you know, all of these different areas, because all of those things impact, you know, this goal that we have. And so really getting, our, my sessions are usually us just untangling, you know, what is happening around them in order for that that might be stagnating them or not helping them move forward um and in depending on the session we may talk about um stress reduction techniques we may do a hypnosis session we may do some yoga we so it just kind of i try to tailor it a little bit depending depending on what the person needs in addition, I also have my um, uh, course, which is self-led. It's online. It's um, 149, and you get 11 different lessons, 15 different um, guided uh, lessons or se um, sessions. So you get meditations, guided imagery, um, different techniques that I've used in the past with my clients. Um, that are all scientifically based, you know, amazing techniques. You also get some bio dots, which you can use to see what's happening in your body in the, in the moment. You get to practice, um, you know, seeing how your body is responding to stress in the moment. Um, I also have affirmation stickers. Um, so got that. And then I'm coming out with a um, YouTube 
free guided meditations and I'm doing them in English and in Spanish. Oh, cool. So that's coming out next month. I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah. But I love, I mean, you have so many beautiful, like healing things that you offer to people. You just have such a presence about you too. Like for the for those of you just listening, like she's just calming just to be in the same room with her, you know? So I really think uh, if you need, need somebody to be your guide through this process, like she's a wonderful person to, to follow and to get started with. And all of you should please follow her on Instagram, <laughs> at least just so you can like get some of the great things that she offers with no financial investment at all. I mean, she offers a ton of free stuff, which is like amazing and really, really sweet of her. So you can tell she something that she really does from the heart. Um, and, you know, stay tuned because there might be something coming, <laughs> coming in the future uh, that you might be interested in that, you know, the two of us might be doing together. I won't, I'll just do that little <laughs> teaser there, but um so uh, I think that's good. I think that's a good place to, to wrap things up. So where can they find you online? So you can find me at my website. So it's sabawellness.com. And that's spelled C-E-I-B-A wellness.com. And then my Instagram page is just Sava underscore wellness. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. I don't want to use Facebook that much. But it's there because I've got a a store where you can buy bio dots and affirmation stickers. Um, so that's there as well. And what does Seba mean? Seba. <laughs> Seba is a tree that is native to Central American Africa. And um, it is a very beautiful tree that has very, very thick, deep roots. And they're tall. They're these ginormous trees. And one of the reasons, actually the reason why I chose Seba as my um, business name is because um, in Mayan culture, which I'm Guatemalan, um, so in Mayan culture we see the tree as a um, like an energetic field or like um, so like the the leaves or the tree up above would represent heaven the middle would represent earth and then the roots represents the underworld and so it's this connection the tree is believed to have a it's like a portal or a connection to um different worlds different energetic spaces you know basically like a portal um and that's really that's kind of what i envision my practice as is this connection to these different practices so that people can experience health in their own way because everything I mean everyone is different and we believe different things but it's all rooted um so as we close up here just a couple of reminders on my end uh, my course did go live recently yay and so functional PCOS is available if you are looking for a PCOS course to help you through the process. Um, it's got really good feedback so far. So I'm very excited about seeing where that goes. And I'll be continuing to add resources to that as time goes on. And um, so, yeah, I hope you guys uh, will try it out because it was a huge labor of love. And um, 
If you have iTunes, please do me a favor and leave the podcast a review because we need reviews. So if you've been listening to this podcast, and I know some of y'all have for a few years now, and you've never left me a review, um, I'm just going to gently nudge you to please leave me a review. I really need it. So I'm just going to beg. Leave me a review. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. And I'll be back in a couple weeks with another podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.